Hi, my name is Dee, um, and you're listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. This is my 12th episode, um, and if you're not already done so, please feel free to listen to my other episodes as well. Um, they are called One Nation Under God, Elderly and Disabled in a Monopoly World, So I'm Mental, What's Your Superpower? Riddle Diddle Dee, I See Something You Can't See, Prisoner Past the Sentencing, Let's Not Talk About COVID, Shall We? Which, I do not talk about COVID in that episode. <laughs> um, I reassure you that. Um, also, there is men being raped as a father. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but that doesn't mean you have to use them on me. Which I t- touch on domestic violence in that one. Parental alienation syndrome. Fentanyl. When the last, or I'm sorry, when the next breath is worth more than a speck of sand. And my last one I just did was called Skittles Party, where there's no pot of gold at the end of their rainbow. <clears throat> and before we get into today's topic, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I would like to go over what I call my disclaimer. This is where um, I have my opening remarks and I try to weed out any negative backlash um, as much as possible. There are just a ridiculous amount of people in this world anymore that seem to just be drama seekers, it, it seems. And I just feel like sometimes they just try to find ways to be more negative and <clears throat> trying to seek that into the world than trying to find something positive and more compassionate. Um, I have not gotten to my age in life that I uh, don't know some things um, how some things are said and um, and how they can come across and some are just straight up just not necessary. Um, even in our generation um, sometimes um, I think we get ahead of ourselves and trip over our own lips um, because um, yeah I mean there's just some things I think back on life and I'm like why was that okay? <laughs> um, but it was just our way of life. And every generation is different. And they do overlap each other. <clears throat> and then you have those one generations that are between generations, if you will, that can go coincide in each one of them. Um, kind of like me, um, <clears throat> I guess, because I'm at that age now. Um, that, um, you know, I'm kind of in both world, worlds. <clears throat> but um, anyway... Uh, I lost my spot, I'm sorry. Um, I, I understand um, that my topics, my point of view, um, and my, uh, my trail of thought, um, and even some of my ethics and morals are not for everybody. And um, that being said, <clears throat> I do respect your rights when you exercise them in a respectful manner. And I hope to be shown the same courtesy. I have created this podcast and continue to publish my episodes in hopes to educate people, as well as myself, communicate, understand, and fight for the rights of mankind, human beings. And I I don't think that one person is better than anybody else. And I don't... I don't have a problem with people wanting to grow and learn things and try to express themselves. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I don't have a problem with people's levels in their life. I just have a problem with people 
being disrespectful. <clears throat> just straight up being disrespectful. And <clears throat> there's so many different factors in life that go in so many, so many different directions. And I don't need somebody to know what is going on in my life directly to understand <clears throat> that it's not necessary just to not be a kind human being. You don't need, need to know the details of somebody's life to know that somewhere in their life they're going through something. There's always something going on in everybody's life. And there's a right way and a wrong way to, um, to respond to people. And, um, you know, it's, it's, some people just don't. And I, don't, I guess I shouldn't put it that way because that just sounds judgmental. And I'm not trying to be judgmental because I'm, I don't try to be a judgmental person. I do have my opinions and I guess people can misconstrue those for being judgmental. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, what someone might think is a kind thing to say to somebody else, it could be interpreted totally different. And what some people may consider being their personality and being a jokester or whatever, somebody may take it to heart because it might actually intertwine or trigger something that they have or are going through or can relate to. Or maybe it just offends them. And there's nothing wrong with being offended by things, but it's wrong to be offended by things and step on other people in the process, I think. But that's a very, I mean, anyway, so maybe this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but hopefully as I continue on, hopefully things will come together in the end and <clears throat> more things will start to make sense. Uh, I pray that it does. I really honestly do. <clears throat> um, I'm hoping to, that I will be able to communicate myself in my podcast in a manner that comes across as educational, sympathetic, and an in understanding form, as much of an understanding form for you as possible. And I am by no means am I trying to downplay or play with any trauma, uh, any of your PTSD, any devastations or everlasting effects that you may have, um, any loss in your life, um, heartaches, anything that's just indescribable emotions and feelings that you're struggling with to even process at this moment or even in the past. Um, I will not even try to pretend that I know your pain directly, but I will continue, 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 excuse me, to do what I can on my end in hopes to educate enough for those that are listening and may not even realize that they even need to know and hear it. And hopefully together we can save as many lives as possible, if even our own, me included. My heart goes out to everyone that suffers any type of personal effects due to any event in your life or events in your life that are often so sensitive and too sensitive and, and heartbreaking to even know how to process or even to explain them. Sometimes it is just too hard to understand what your emotions even are justify them and even explain them and, not, and sometimes not even feel selfish you know some people they they're afraid that if they express their feelings or express how they feel or if they consider themselves because they're so used to being considering everybody else and being there for everybody else that if they take a second to even think about their own self then they're being selfish <clears throat> and unfortunately i am guilty in that 100 plus percent <laughs> 
Um, I always feel like I'm being selfish because I'm not used, I'm used to being a giver. And I'm not used to receiving. I'm not used to, um, my whole life has just been so traumatic. And words eventually seep into your soul. And they, they grow. And I have been learning and trying to teach myself <clears throat> how to take my negative thoughts and my negative emotions and feelings and try to put something positive in them. And I, I've always said, even in the most horrific times, there's always something positive in it. And I've given examples before in my other podcasts, one being when my grandson passed away. <clears throat> and <clears throat> my grandson passed away to a very horrific tragedy. And he was very young. And um, he was on life support and brain dead. And he ended up, my daughter had to make the decision and um, he passed away on my birthday. And <clears throat> while he was on life support still, <clears throat> fighting for his little life, um, there was a lady in the lobby that came up to me. I don't even know who she was. And she said, maybe something good will come out of your grandson dying. And I paused for a split second. And I'm a very quick thinker and reactor. <clears throat> and... Um, they say your tongue is one of the strongest muscles in your body, and I have no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's true. And I guess um, I looked at her very quickly, and I said, what the good would come out of my grandson dying? And um, you can fill in the phrases. I'm sure that's probably, I'm assuming that's probably what some people are probably thinking right now. But on the flip side of that, <clears throat> I went to the elevator, and I went to the second floor, and I got off the elevator and I went to my daughter. And being in the line of work I was in, uh, in case of some are not familiar, I used to do tissue procurement by repository banking. And I used to uh, clean crime scenes for a living. And at that time, I was cleaning crime scenes for a living. <clears throat> and um, I got off the elevator and I went to my daughter and I said, please come here. I said, if you never do anything I ever ask you again, will you please do me one favor? Will you please donate my grandson, or donate his organs? And my grandson, um, he saved lives. And there are now, um, there were supposed to be more, but unfortunately some of his organs could not be used. <clears throat> but he saved, saved three little girls. And I got an updated report on him, um, probably not even a month ago. Um, and the, two of the little girls are doing fine. One actually literally has his heart. <clears throat> and the third little girl, um, she received one of his organs, but not very long after she received it, she had to have a second transplant. His organ was not good enough for transplant. Um, <clears throat> but it did save her life when she needed it. And she was fortunate enough to get a second transplant. So there are three little babies that are now um, around eight years old this year um, that walked this earth because of him. And so something out of the most horrific tragedy came something positive. And, you know, it took a long time for me to get to the point to come to that factor. And um, my grandson died in 2016. And um, it took a long time for me to celebrate my birthday. 
and my youngest daughter she was little at the time she was around 13 <clears throat> and she is what kept me alive but at the same time it was killing her she was so young and she had taken on such a huge responsibility because my family wasn't there for me <clears throat> excuse me i mean my parents were to the best of their understanding and ability um, but my youngest daughter took the role of everything. And, um, so while something good came out of my grandson and saving lives in the sense, um, <sighs> there is something good in it. And I pray that <sighs> with all the heartache and everything my daughter had to endure, something good could come out of this for her. Um, because... While he was saving lives with his organs, um, the tragedy of the events were killing me. And um, I spun very hard. And I fell. And I buried myself in myself. So dark that I didn't know the way out. And um, <clears throat> this podcast um, is going to be a, a different because, um, you know, I have this big disclaimer that I read and I go over and I talk about how people have different levels and different views and different ways to cope and differences. And, you know, and some things that they wish people would say or do or feel. And, you know, people need to be educated. There need to be resources and there needs to be this and that and this and that. And there does. There just straight up does. I don't try to offend anybody. I don't go out of my way to hurt anybody. I never have. It's never been in my nature. I do try to correct myself when I'm wrong. When I know that I'm wrong and I feel that I'm wrong. I'm not just going to fake an apology. No more than I'm going to fake an I love you. But I do try to make sure I empathize as much with other people as possible. Because I do understand there's multiple sides. I do understand that people go through different things and they take things differently and they handle things differently. I do understand that people grieve differently. And I do understand that there's no time frame on it. But yet there is. So my topic today is a lot in a lot of different ways. And it's, and it's called, <sighs> Not All Homeless Are Homeless. And this episode will probably seem like it's going to be all over the place. Because it is. I'm just going to be straight up honest. Um, because I'm going to be all over the place. Because I'm very, very passionate about this subject. And I take it very, very, very closely to my heart. And um, hopefully, as we get more in depth into the conversation... We can touch on some possible alternatives and solutions into this very heartbreaking and inhumane way of life. <clears throat> and um, like I said, if, if you're not familiar with me already, especially on this subject, um, I'm very passionate. And uh, when I get passionate about something... And I'm very serious about it. My voice does get... <laughs> my voice does change. I feel like it does anyway. I do get louder. 
and I get very expressive and I try to pull myself away from the, the microphone because I'm just using my computer. I don't know all the bougie technology. I don't know all the, the soundproof stuff or whatever. You might hear a farm truck going by or a loud bebopping car or whatever going down the road or you might hear me moving in my chair or coughing because my mouth is very dry. I had mouth surgery a few, uh, probably about a month and a half ago, and I'm still trying to recuperate from that. And my mouth was very dry. I got so much cotton in my mouth, I probably could knit everybody a sweater, honestly. <clears throat> um, and my allergies are terrible. And, you know, heaven forbid if you cough, you know, you stub your toe. Everybody knows where that goes, right? <laughs> but anyway, um, and I'm not downplaying that, but that's not what the subject's about. But anyway. I get sidetracked. I do because everything triggers something in all of us. We all go somewhere some in some way. You can hear a song on the radio. You can hear a person's name. You can see a certain color. Or you can just be sitting there and just be thinking, why did that just pop up in my head? Like, my mind is thinking some really, why? That was really random. And that happens to me all the time. And maybe, maybe, it's just me, <laughs> but I'm going to say no. I don't think it's just me that gets this feeling. So if I get a little loud and I'm blowing in your ear um, and amplifying or feeling sounding distorted or whatever, I apologize because, like I said, I don't have the bougie technology. I don't know how to do all that. I have been out of the office settings for so long, you know, cleaning crime scenes and doing lab work and stuff like that. <clears throat> That's a different type of technology. Um, you know, running PCR machines and said rates and doing blood banking and doing cryopreservation and, you know, and doing liquid nitrogen and genetic testing and, and all that. That's a different kind of technology. Um, and most of the time, I don't even need a microphone. I've got a loud enough voice, honestly. Um, my mom, though, she surpasses me. But that's a whole <laughs> And I mean that respectfully. And I say that because... This is time to get sidetracked. But um, in case you don't know, I take care of my mother. My dad passed away about a year and a half ago. And um, my stepdad, but he was my dad. And um, my mother is blind and disabled. And I was a therapist for autistic kids. And I left my job after my dad passed away <clears throat> to take care of my mother. And so I take care of my mom here at her house. <clears throat> I... Um, my mother and I used to do everything together, and uh, we used to uh, karaoke. I used to, my mom is a bodacious singer. Bodacious, I love that word. Bodacious. Um, <laughs> sorry, my personalities are trying to come out to play. My mom said they can't come over, but she, this is what she gets when I'm in these walls. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, my mom is a wonderful singer. She was a songwriter. Um, she played music. My dad played music. He was from West Virginia, downright hillbilly, you know, picking. They had a, a, um, a Hawaiian guitar. They had, you know, the C clamps and stuff, everything on their things and uh, banjos. And, and my uncle, he played harmonica and a guitar and he was an amazing musician. Oh my goodness, amazing. He passed away two months before my dad died. Um, and um, so anyway, my whole life was music. And my mother and I used to go karaoke. <clears throat> and my mother got me into singing karaoke. And my first song I ever sang karaoke was by Leanne Rhymes. And it was a song, But I Do Love You. <clears throat> my second song I ever sang on karaoke was Romeo by Dolly Parton. 
And I, when I go karaoke, I get a lot of requests to sing that song. But I also do KT Oslin, um, Faith Hill, a variety of uh, old school, uh, Crystal Gale. Um, <clears throat> um, but anyway, my mother, she can sing a Whitney Houston song. My mom has a very beautiful, powerful voice. And I used to always tell her, Mom, you don't need a mic. Just put the mic down um, and just sing. Because you, your, your voice is so powerful and so amazing. And so much talent that that microphone, you just don't even need that. <laughs> I'll hear you all the way in the back. And so I think I inherited that uh, loudness. <laughs> from my mother but if you tell her that I'll deny it <laughs> unless it's in a good way of course but um anyway so that being said this is where I'm at so sometimes when I get talking in my podcast um I do get sidetracked bits and pieces of my personality will probably peek in I try to retain it because I try to be professional um, and honestly, I don't even know what that word is supposed to mean. I know there's a time and a place to be professional because I can put my hair up in a professional manner and put my bougie, you know, spectacles on and look smart. Um, but also, too, I put my hair in double braids and look like Pippi Longstocking or Wednesday from the Adams Family and um, <clears throat> blend right in. But then stick out like a sore thumb. So... <laughs> I'm the one at the party that you'll think I'm totally wasted, but yet I'm as sober as can be. I can do that. I've done that. Um, so anyway, um, I'm warning you ahead of time. This is who I am. This is who I am. And I have tried to change myself so many times in my life for everybody else. You know, uh, people are like, can't you just ever be serious? You know, do you have to be so loud all the time? Do you have, is everything got to be a joke? I have cried so much in my life the last few years, especially since my grandson passed away, <clears throat> that I'm afraid to even laugh and it be authentic. Because <clears throat> it, it just, it just has been at that level. But I'm the type of person that I'm not trying to be a, a circus clown at a funeral. But I know that if I can make you laugh for one second, then I know for that one second you are not in pain. And that one second, hopefully you can get a breath and take a breath and be able to breathe and it not suffocate you. <clears throat> because not everything is a joke. And not everything needs to be laughed up. And some things just are not funny. But sometimes some things hurt so bad that we forget that it's okay to be human and enjoy ourselves and live. But live in a way that we actually try to have a life. And determining that level of life determines on where we are at and our stability as a whole. Even if we're falling apart and not completely whole to begin with. And to me, that makes sense. <clears throat> and I hope to you, in some way, you can determine that in the way that you interpret that and can put it into something that makes sense for you. You know, my oldest daughter has a learning disability. <clears throat> she had an IEP all through school. And um, when she was donating my grandson's organs... She said, I need my mom in here with me because she needs to talk to me in my terms. 
She needs a she needs to talk to me the way I understand it. And um, my son, <clears throat> my son's a very smart, very intelligent young man. All my kids are smart and intelligent. My son is a very very smart. He's <laughs> He's a very, his personality, he's so much like his mother. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. He is so much like me. And I'm not saying I'm intelligent, I mean, I am intelligent, but my son has my personality. <clears throat> so when we are together, um, <laughs> we'd be driving on the road and he'd put his arm out and do the, you know, the little wave thing back in the 80s as people would do. And I'd be in the passenger seat because he was six foot tall. So he had to sit in front because he was always tall. And... He'd do his arm out to do the wave. He'd say, here you go, Mom. You know, catch it. Catch the wave. Pick it up. And then I would pick it up from his hand, and I would do the wave and finish it out. And then I'd bring it. He said, now bring it back. And I'd take it back to him. And, you know, we would do this, and we would just be silly. Or, you know, when we had um, family night and stuff, we would go out and pick up pizza or whatever to go home and watch movies. <clears throat> and he would jump on the hood of my car. Joking around and I would continue driving in the parking lot with him and he'd be holding on and I turn my windshield wipers on <laughs> And he would jump on the back of my car and He was his feet had come a little loose. So he was kind of running with it and You know trying to catch up with me or he'd act like he's running beside me on my window and whatever and you know, so this was his personality <clears throat> But anyway, he had um, a football injury uh, and a head concussion and he had to have an IEP put in place because my son was having six to eight seizures a day every day from November to January <clears throat> and he was um, president of the FFA he was um, very very smart and I had to reteach him he had to remember what 2 plus 2 was. He had to learn how to rehab tie his shoe. His coordination was falling. Um, <clears throat> he would um, get paralysis when he had his seizures. And so he would. He didn't want to miss school because he had never missed a day of school since the second grade. And here he was in high school. And he didn't want to miss a day of school. And so he would go to school dragging his leg. And I would be going to school picking him up. And so eventually they put an IEP in place because he was not able to go to school. And so we would go to the library on Tuesdays and Thursdays with the tutor. And um, eventually um, he ended up getting better. <clears throat> found out that the medication that was prescribed to him was wrong and was too much. And it was increasing his seizures. And it wasn't until I complained to the doctor, his colleague doctor, not him, um, that I was concerned that my son was getting worse. And he was telling me, I said, well, I was told he's on a low dosage. And he said, no, he's on a very high dosage. And he was taking Lamictal. And um, <clears throat> anyway, they took him off of that. And he had one more seizure, and he's been seizure-free since then. And now he's in his 30s. And... Anyway, he, my point being is he had an IEP put in place because of this situation. And they ended up having to do another IEP to have him taken off. And um, it, so his learning ability was different. And he ended up actually graduating early. All of my kids graduated early, actually. All three of them did. And um, But my point being is everybody learns differently. 
And I know it's probably a long way around getting to the subject. We're already almost 30 minutes into this. And you're like, okay, dude, we're not even talking about the homeless yet. And, you know, there's so much to talk about. I reassure you, we're not going to get this all in one podcast. Especially on something that I am so passionate about as this field. But we will, I promise you, we will touch on it. Because this is where it's going. And if anybody has been in my podcast knows, for one thing, I talk fast. And I'm very sorry. Um, that's another thing I do when I'm passionate about something. I have to remind myself to slow down. But, um, if anybody knows me that follows my podcast, I hope, let me just put it this way. I try, there's always, there's, it always tries to blend at the end. Um, because there is a point in this. Everybody learns differently. Everybody comprehends differently. Everybody takes things differently. But also, too, I'm a human being. I've had tragedies in my life. I have children. I have gra- I have seven grandchildren. One passed away. One of which passed away. I have three living children and one child that I, I that passed away. <clears throat> that died. I was pregnant. Had a miscarriage. Maybe to some people that doesn't seem important. You know, but it is important. That was a human being life, and I'm very passionate about that. Um, <clears throat> I pushed it out of my mind a lot because I was told once, uh, well, that was a long time ago. It doesn't count. So, you know, it does count. Every life counts. I, the way that, you know, every life counts. Every human being counts. Every single one matters. And I'm... <sighs> I'm very, very passionate about that. And, uh, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. There's a bee in here. <laughs> this is my life, folks. <laughs> There's a bee in here. I don't know where it went. But, um, anyway, that was ra- random. That's what I am. My name should have been Random D. Um, anyway, now, um... You know, some people can look at, okay, what really defines a homeless person? Because I'm going to try to get back on subject here, even though I didn't really go on the B, did I? did get sidetracked on the B. (laughs) So, anyway, focus. Um, My personalities are saying, hey, get it together. We're having meetings in here, girl. Um, (laughs) So, according to the University of Alabama at Birmingham Institute, Institute for Human Rights. There was a blog there dated March the 9th, 2020. And I apologize. I'm going to butcher this person's name. I practiced it beforehand, but I know I'm going to get it wrong. And if I do get it right, I really won't know. But anyway, no here, no there. Uh, Ahil Rajpari. R-A-J as in Jack-O-Lantern. P as in Paul. A-R-I. Anyway, this person defines homelessness as a state of having no home. Now, I agree and disagree with this definition for several reasons. Um, because when you think of a homeless person, what really comes to mind? Is it a person on the side of the road that's holding a sign up? Or maybe somebody that's you know pushing a shopping cart uh, filled with their treasure that they have been collecting on their journey for the day? Or maybe they're moving from camp to camp. Or maybe they don't have anywhere to go. Um, or maybe they've stole a shopping cart and they've been dumpster diving and they've just been collecting their, their treasures. Maybe to someone that is what you may call spazzing out or they're strung out or maybe they're tweaking, you know, um, 
How about someone that sleeps on someone's couch? Because maybe they don't have a permanent residence. Um, whether due to a fire or being misplaced or, uh, I say misplaced, you know, they're misplaced in their life. Um, several reasons. Um, maybe they've gotten a divorce. Maybe they've fallen hard times. Um, maybe a neighbor's couch is more important. <laughs> um, or more comfortable. Or maybe it's a lot like someone like me. That maybe don't even look the part. <clears throat> I've been told that before. Um, you know, but what does that even mean? Who looks the part of being homeless? I mean, <clears throat> you know, maybe there is someone, you know, or maybe it's someone that has a home. You know, they have a home, but yet they can't stay there because they have to stay at somebody else's house or somewhere else because and stay in their living quarters because they're taking care of them like I am with my mother. Um or maybe, you know, it's their the welfare of their loved one takes precedence of their own, their own personal belongings, and their belongings are just scattered everywhere. Maybe they have a storage unit where they've stored their stuff, you know, and they don't really have a defined address per se. Um, or they think, well, I don't have a home. I just have a, I just have a camper, uh, you know, which I do. I have a 27 foot camper. That is my home. Um, and I, I can go on and on and on with this. You know, I had a home. Um, uh, well, society deems a home. It was a house, um, a very big house. I, well, I thought it was <clears throat> very roomy. Worked my butt off to buy this house. I owned it for 14 years. And, um, I went to college. I went to, I got three degrees. <clears throat> I was a scientist. Uh, you know, at one time I had like three or four boats out there and they weren't the most gorgeous boats, but they were there. Uh, they were my, I bought them for my ex-husband. Um, I had truck, car, I had a trailer on Raccoon Lake, uh, that we would go there that I bought, you know, to have family time, you know, and I even had a membership at a car wash. And my work was 45 minutes for me. <clears throat> I paid over $500, $600 a month in gas to go back and forth to work. And my truck payment was over $500 a month. Plus all my other bills I had. I was making decent money. And um, I had what I deemed my shit together. To be point blank, blank about it. Um... <clears throat> I had all my life together, everything organized. I had plans to go back and get my master's degree in forensic psychology because um, I wanted to kind of do profiling and stuff like that. And I work with criminals. <coughs> and um, well, then my grandson passed away. And um, that came to a halt. And I... I can go on and on with statistics, and I can go on and on reading numbers to the world. And I can go on and on talking about how many people in this world are homeless, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, this podcast, I started to type this podcast off, and I'm going to get sidetracked, but I promise I'm going to come back. <clears throat> I started writing this podcast, and because I like to write my stuff out to read it, and I do start talking on my own, and sometimes that's when I lose my place back on my paper. Um, but... I like to have my facts in order too. <clears throat> so I do like to be being in um, a numbers person. 
because uh, when you're, you know, working in labs and scientists, scientical, scientical, that's not even a word, scientifical stuff, I guess it could be now I can invent it, um, numbers, I have always been good with numbers, my daughter used to say I was a walking calculator, and, um, so statistics and numbers and stuff, you know, it was just, it's just me, but I can go on and on about that, and really in the end of it, it comes down to just one number, one statistical number, one person, one person is too many to be homeless, plain and simple, one person, I don't need to know how many numbers in this world there are around the globe, telling me who is homeless and who isn't, I don't need a finger point say, oh, they are, they're not, they are, they are, you know what, one person is too many, Plain and simple. And I stopped typing up my notes. Actually, I'm skimming them as I'm talking to you. And I'm picking out words here and there. But I'm not really reading it anymore because I really have gone off my script. Because I stopped writing. And in my last paragraph, I put. This was the last paragraph I, 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 I put. Now I could go on and on and read statistics and continue reading numbers to the world. However, I will leave that for anybody that wants to look up any statistics they want or feel the need to in order to get a better feel of the magnitude of this increasing inhumane way we continue to struggle with. Instead, I will use this valuable time that I have on here to talk about people. People that matter. So I'm just going to put mine in my notes down now and just wing it from here i will feel i feel very confident and comfortable enough to do this because i was one of those statistics at one time so from here on out on this episode it is just me open mic talking this that period so from here out there are no more notes that i'm going to read this is straight up me so i'm gonna get i'm gonna push myself back a little bit from the mic because i know i'm gonna get loud and i'm not gonna try to for one i don't want to wake my mom up because she is taking a nap um bless her heart because she is just um she hurts so bad um so anyway um <clears throat> plus i don't want to be all up in your ear but i do want you to hear me but i know how i am and I'm going to, anyway, so, <laughs> so I was saying that I had this home, and, <clears throat> you know, I made enough money that I could have a car wash membership, and to me, coming from the side of life that I was on, having a car wash uh, membership, um, that's when you know you're doing okay, when they can automatically deduct about 40 or 50 bucks out of your account every month, and you're paying over five, six hundred dollars in gas, over five hundred dollars in your truck payment, paying your regular bills, your mortgage. You know, I had five kids at home because my husband, my ex-husband, he had custody of his two kids and I had three kids. And they were teenagers, except for my youngest one. She's ten years younger than the rest of them. Um, <clears throat> I met when I met my ex-husband. My daughter was four, and um, when I divorced him, <clears throat> she was about. 12 I think um something like that anyway irrelevant so anyway my grandson when he passed away um it buried me it straight up buried me <clears throat> and you know one would think 
oh, you know, you got your family, you got your friends, um, you know, they'll be there for you, you know, and everybody, <laughs> everybody always comes to the funeral, let me know if you need anything. You know what, unless you mean it, stop telling me that lie. Stop telling me that lie. Because you know what, and when a damn one of them there for me. I my my oldest sister disrespected my grandson at his funeral and her daughters. <clears throat> my youngest sister um, and her husband didn't understand what I was going through, and I got accused of doing things that I wasn't doing. And uh, my aunt, um, <laughs> she's never really been an aunt to me. <laughs> um, her and my sister went on vacation. To Florida. <clears throat> um, she doesn't even call to check up on me. And she knows that I'm taking care of my mom. And I'm going through a lot. And she knows what I've been through. And I've heard her talk about me on the phone. In the background. And I've heard this, that, and the other. And then she's listening to this now. You know what? I, I care, but I really don't. Because I'm so tired of feeling the way that I feel. I am a human being. And I matter. And my life died. And so, if, if anybody in my family hears this, I want you to hear what I'm actually saying and not be defensive. Because like I said, I can't see who hears this and who doesn't. But I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat anything. I, and, but yet, I'm not trying to be rude either. But I'm trying to express, this is what happens. This is life. This is my life. This is me. This is who I am. I had a home. I had my shit together. And I'm, excuse me for my language, I had my shit together. I was a scientist. I made good money. I had, I, I took, you know, I knew what I was doing. I was going to college. I was doing everything right. I had everything mapped out. I had plans. I knew myself. I was a strong, independent woman, even though I was married, but I was independent because he never did nothing for me. Never worked, never paid one freaking bill in the whole time we were ever married. That's a whole different counseling session that I'm not even going to attend because I don't need to. But anyway, when my grandson died, I went to that funeral. My grandson had two funerals. Because the first funeral, I felt like, was all about the other grandparents because it was their church their people blah 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 <clears throat> and they were not even really in the grandkids life or my daughter's life or the dad's life but no here and there there they were the grandparents and i respect that <clears throat> my ex-husband and i my first ex-husband and i my daughter's dad knowing since i was eight which i've touched on that in a couple other episodes um we had a a, a relationship where we actually could be cordial to each other and, um, <clears throat> there, there's a whole lot in there and I'm not going to open this cause that's a different scenario. But the point being is in the end of it all, I lost my son. I lost my oldest daughter. I lost my youngest daughter. I lost all of my grandkids. I lost my home. I lost every single belonging I've ever owned my whole life. And I lost myself. 
I wear scars on the outside of my body and the inside, but my outside scars are visible. I used to hide them, but I don't anymore. I used to wear hoodies, long sweatshirts. I used to wrap my arms in ace bandages because I was subconsciously picking at my body because of my anxiety because I didn't know where to put my feelings at. And so I'd just be subconsciously just picking my face, my chest, my arms, any, my legs, anywhere I could. And I had to wrap my arms around with ace bandages to stop. And my daughter would look at me and she'd be like, stop picking, mom. Stop picking. Leave your face alone. And the dude I was with, he would be like, stop picking, babe. Leave your face alone. Leave your chest alone. Leave your arms alone. Or he, they would take my hands sometimes, either one of them. And they would just, you know, nicely put my hand down. My daughter would come up there, mom, you need to eat. Mom, you need to get out of bed. Mom, you've been asleep for five days. I was self-medicating myself with my medication <clears throat> to make me sleep because it had drowsy effects because I didn't want to do something I didn't want to do because I wanted to kill myself because I hurt that bad because it was that deep. Instead, I intervene things that I hear people talking about me. Want to know if I'm on my pity party or if I've gotten over this or am I, you know, why haven't I gotten a job or why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Oh, I must be on drugs. Look at her. She's got sores all over her. I lost my grandson. He died. Not just a normal death. He died tragically. Any death is important, but he died tragically. He was a baby. He was two and a half months old. He was a baby. My grandson would be eight years old this year. And you know what? I've come a long way in my life. But the point being is I lost all of that. I was living in my van. I was homeless. I went from making bougie money to being lucky if I had a freaking penny in my pocket. I was living in my van. I was trying. The dude I was with. <laughs> you know. He was there with me. <clears throat> and my daughter. My youngest daughter. She was still little. And. <sighs> she had to go live with friends. Because I didn't have nowhere to put her. I didn't have. I, I couldn't provide her a life. And I made the mistake of telling my son one day when he called me, when he asked me how I was doing, and I couldn't take no more because I was that bad. I've hurting so much and had nobody there for me, but my, my, the guy that I was with that was fighting his own battles in his life, and my young 13-year-old daughter. And I told him that I wasn't doing good, that it was taking everything I could to um, not kill myself. I wanted to die. <laughs> um, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to hurt anymore. And my son thought that he just needed to come in and, hey, let's go over your finances. 
Um, let's go over this. I'll help you write a resume. Um, we'll do this, Mom. I need to know your... This. I don't need all that, son. I need somebody to be there for me to help me through this tragic life. I cannot cope with breathing right now. I know how to write a resume. I've wrote a resume so much that I wrote one for my mom one time when she was getting unemployment that they thought she wrote and they wanted her to conduct a, a resume class to teach people how to write a resume. I know how to do that stuff. I come from the, the office world. I know how to make a budget. I know how to pay my bills. I know how to do that stuff. I just needed to know how to live again without it killing me. to my son since then and um, that's a whole different ball game but <clears throat> I miss him every day I do but no here nor there <clears throat> I had no family there for me without judgment without talking behind my back I was homeless, living in my van on the sides of the road, and parking lots of Walmart, parking lots of the hospitals, parking lots uh, at truck stops, people's driveways that I knew. And I could stay at my parents' house if my dude that I was with for five years, um, he couldn't stay there though with me. But I, so I'm supposed to split up, and he was living with me when this all happened and <clears throat> so obviously <laughs> I chose to live in my van my vehicle because I wasn't going to break up my relationship to have a home <laughs> and my daughter had to go live with fam or friends um and um I reached out to my aunt and I typed her up this this text message because I deleted a lot of people off my Facebook and I I actually closed my Facebook off of my life. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to get back into it. So if anybody knows how to get back into a baseball page, let me know. Because um, I had to create a new one. But <clears throat> I reached out to her and told her that, you know, I would like to meet up with her and maybe have lunch or whatever and talk. And I was going to explain to her why I did what I did. <clears throat> and to this day, we still haven't done it. And um, I just... <sighs> There are so many people in this world that have worse situations than I do. But when I was homeless living in my van for two and a half years, two and a half years, I still was helping the homeless. I would drive down the road and I saw this lady one time and she had a tent. Well, before I saw her, she was pushing a shopping cart. And she had some stuff in there. And then um, I came back through and she was in her tent and it was raining. And I went around the corner and I uh, I had my, my van. I had it organized a certain way. <coughs> and the guy I was with, he's 6'3". So he's very tall. So we had it set up a certain way because of his height. <laughs> Um, for the bed and, and the way our our belongings and our clothes and our hygienes and stuff were in there. And I had an inverter connected um, to my battery. So I could, you know, use my flat iron or, you know, or whatever. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
But anyway, I pulled over and I got into, we had this three drawer plastic band dresser up against the hatch in the back. Because <clears throat> um, I ended up putting the clothes in the back of the van by the hatch. Um, because I had it in the front at one time and it was just really difficult because he was so tall. <clears throat> um, he slept on the driver's side because I'm short. So my seat was up far anyway. <laughs> um, so he fit right there and I would just, I'm five foot half inch. So I just kind of fit in the corner. <laughs> you know, I probably could have sat in the, um, the, um, side, um, sidestep thing and, and fit. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> I ended up moving it back there and I got into that container and I just started grabbing things out um, You know, he had some brand new socks in there that we had got out of a blessing box um, and I and it was a blanket shaped like a pillow and um, Just different items. So I was getting pillows and, and, and blankets and socks and water and different things that I thought she would need and definitely wanted to give her some dry socks and dry blanket because it was raining and it was cold. And so I pulled back up alongside and I got out and knocked on her tent. And I said, I'm going to leave this in your cart. And I left a couple of uh, little sacks there full of stuff. And she looked out of her tent and waved at me and thanked me. And I went on. And I, one time, my friend... Uh, my other friend Stephanie, um, she was, her and her husband were homeless. They had it worse than I did, actually. Um, I guess I was the bougie end of homeless. Um, but anyway, one time her and I pulled up at this um, store, and there's a guy that was um, standing up brushing his teeth over the trash can. And um, I said, Hey, you want a water? And um, I said, I got a water and I got a Pepsi. And he's like, um, water, that'd be great. I said, you know, how about you take one of each? Have you, you know, something extra, you know? And, um, you know, special occasion, I guess. And <clears throat> so I gave it to him and I left. And I ran into, um, her and I ran into this other guy um, over by the Goodwill. And he had some blue jeans on that barely fit on his body. And no shoes and socks, no shirt. And um, he was all over the place. And I pulled up to him. I'm like, hey, are you okay? You know, do you need anything? <clears throat> and um, he just started talking to us. I didn't even know what we were even talking about. We were just talking. And <clears throat> he was going through some rough times. And um, he had just... Um, left this really bad situation and he didn't even have any clothes on his back so I had um, the guy that I was with he, you know I took one of his shirts and I gave it to this guy and <clears throat> gave him some water and a couple other things and um, you know and these are just some examples I you know her and I went to this one place and we saw this girl walking down the road and quite honestly, I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I know she was, I know she was on something. I know she was. And I wasn't gonna judge her. My concern was getting her somewhere safe because she was not in a safe environment of the way she was walking down the street. <clears throat> so I pulled up to her, asked her if she needed a ride. <clears throat> and um, my friend and I had just came back um, from going to get something. My, my friend had, we had went to, um, 
well, if you're familiar with my area, man's girl. Um, but, um, so anyway, she got in the vehicle and it's very apparent. I was, I lived in my van. Um, and I took her where she needed to go, dropped her off where she needed to go. Well, along the way, we ended up getting her some food and I dropped her off and I pray that she ended up where she needed to go safely. But, um, just being that simple. Well, <laughs> I ended up being to the point where I was so advocate about it, uh, adamant about it, excuse me. I started a Facebook page and I am working on trying to set up a nonprofit organization as soon as I learn how and have the money to do so. Um, I do a lot for the homeless and those that fall on hard times. And, um... My friend Stephanie and I are both admins on there, and I have just recently added some moderators on there because there's just a lot to do, and I've got a lot of different things that I'm doing right now that with my mom's schedule and stuff in my schedule, I need as much help as possible, but people that I trust and uh, people that I know will take it as compassionately as I do. <clears throat> and um, so... My my group page is called Our House, in case you are interested in looking it up. I have no problem relaying that. Um, it looks like the planet Earth with hands on it. And <clears throat> I actually had it under... <clears throat> I actually started my... When I came back to the world of social media, I started my Facebook page of Our House. And I did not have a personal Facebook page. <clears throat> I didn't want one. And my accounts got hacked into and I ended up having to start a Facebook page in order to start my group over and my friend had to add me into my own group <laughs> so um but before that I was helping so many people <clears throat> um I actually would have to do uh, a map <clears throat> if you will and an itinerary of where I was going because when people needed food um, I didn't just take one box. I took like three or four boxes of there. I had a storage unit full of homeless things, um, donations that I had got. Um, I was, at that time, I was living with my parents. I came to live with my parents. <coughs> and, um, uh, the dude I was with had some things going on in his life. And so we just kind of went our separate ways. Um, but we are still friends, um, more or less. And... Anyway, um, so I was living in my, my parents' house, and I was looking for a job. But I was having a really hard time finding one. And some places, um, they'd be like, oh, you're too qualified. <laughs> one person told me I needed to dumb down my resume. I'm sorry, I busted my behind getting those three, three degrees. I don't think I need to dumb myself down. If I'm going to go to an employer, they need to know what I bring to the table. Because this is who I am. I'm not going to dumb me down. If I have to dumb me down, then I don't belong where you are. I don't need to do that. Because just because I might fit in your company doesn't mean that company fits with me. So it's actually a two-way interview. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so anyway, I was adamantly involved with helping people. And um, I can go on and on with so many people that I have helped. But don't... Excuse me, my mom needs me. Okay, um, I know this probably didn't pause for you, but I had to pause. Like I said, I take care of my mom. Um, 
<clears throat> and she rings this little button that my uh, younger sister um, had got for us. It was a wonderful um, gift from her. And uh, whenever my mom needs it, she rings it. Um, and I, if I'm not in there or in the area where she's at, because I'm back in the back, her old music room. I uh, use it for my craft room. I make, I do some crafting um, <clears throat> and make some things. Um, anyway, it's kind of soundproof a little bit back here, which is probably good for my mouth, loud mouth. But um, it makes it difficult when she hollers for me. So this button is very nice and handy. So anyway, um, she uh, wanted something to eat. She just woke up. So I had to pause for a minute. Quite honestly, I don't even know exactly what I was saying. I'm not going to rewind it to listen to it um, because what is said is said and I wholeheartedly felt what I said. Um, <clears throat> in my podcast when I make these, and I, I know I'm probably totally off of where I was at, um, I also had to take a breath because um, um, I just killed that bee. Ha! Look at me go. Um, he's just kind of sitting here going, hey. I'm just going to sit here on the side of this table. Ouch. He's a big sucker. Um, but anyway. So. <laughs> um, sorry for the randomness. But. Um, anyway. Point being is. <clears throat> you know. When I was living here. And my parents. When I moved back in here. Um, and I started my group page. And I was very involved with helping people. And doing things for people in hard times. And. One of my moderators in my group, uh, Jacqueline, um, I just recently added her as a moderator. She, I came across her because she had a blessing box um, in uh, where she lives. And um, that was very important to me. When my um, <clears throat> ex-fiance, ex-boyfriend, uh, whatever you want to classify that, that um, when we were homeless, we would go to this blessing box um, and it helped us a lot, um, providing us with something to eat. Um, and I would go into the restaurants and I would get like packets of mayonnaise or ketchup or condiments or whatever. And, um, one time we had some tuna and, um, I had made us some tuna fish sandwiches. So I had a loaf of bread. Well, I made some tuna fish and, um, you know, he's six foot three. <laughs> you know, he's a dude, he's hungry. Um, Anyway, I made him a sandwich, and I used the can of tuna that we had, and I had a can opener, because when you're homeless, that's very important to have a can opener, um, just so you know. Uh, if it's not a pull top, um, can openers are very valuable, um, and uh, I used the packet of mayonnaise, and I made tuna fish, but um, I really had enough, really, for just him, um, so I made him one, and... Um, I just told him I wasn't hungry, <laughs> but that's what happens when you care about somebody and you have to put other people before yourself. But um, anyway, back to Jacqueline. Um, the point being is Jacqueline was the type of person, is the type of person that was, is the type of person that that is who she is. And she provided this blessing box <clears throat> that got my attention because that showed me the type of person she is. And... Um, I would, when I was going out doing my rounds, I did specific rounds just for blessing boxes. And I say my rounds because I would load my car up with food 
<clears throat> and I would have boxes and boxes and boxes. My car would be loaded with food. I would go to food pantries and I would get donations from other people on food. Like I said, a storage unit full of donations. And I would go and I would do my rounds around the blessing boxes that I knew. And I would stock them. And I would put um, the little grocery... Oh, excuse me. My mom needs me. Okay. Um, sorry. I'm back. And I know that you, you probably can't tell when these happen. But if I ever... I get sidetracked and I sometimes lose my train of thought of where I left off. So if I repeat anything, uh, I apologize. But, so anyway, back to Jacqueline. Um, I would go and I make rounds to um, these busting boxes. And I would stock them up. And my car would be loaded with food. And I would have grocery sacks, uh, the plastic bags, whatever. And I would leave those in the busting boxes as well. Because when people would come... Um, get stuff out of busting, busting boxes. It's hard for them to carry stuff. So I would leave little sacks in there. <coughs> excuse me, as well. So the way they could put stuff in there. And, um, well, when I came across Jacqueline's, I started stocking hers the best I could. And, um, unfortunately, someone decided, uh, not too long ago to leave some BS outside there. And ended up ruining it for, for her because they had brought um, some infestation of um, a mattress that they left there in front of her house. Um, and a bunch of other just ridiculous stuff that just is not necessary. And her, her intentions were a blessing and someone wanted to make it a dump. A trash dump for, for them. And so she had to take her blessing boxes out. <clears throat> and... Um, anyway, I added Jacqueline as a moderator, but it is, it's people like her that make a difference in the world. <clears throat> and, you know, people judge homeless people and they, people judge everybody, but people need to understand, people need to more, be more understanding than judgmental, you know, and... <clears throat> One person being homeless is too much. And I'm going to lose my thought here, but yet I'm not because I'm, my mind is going so... Maybe I'm triggering so many things in my mind right now. So much I want to say. So much I want to put out there. And I know that I only have a certain length of time to talk. And I see my little squiggly marks on my screen. And... Um, <laughs> I need to breathe. So... There are a lot of things we can do as human beings. And <clears throat> we can choose whether they are good things or whether they are not so good. And I and I say that because you can't change the way people are, but you can try your best to change the way you respond to how they make you feel. And Working through triggers and working through life in general are not always the same thing. Because sometimes triggers are a world of their own. And so, <clears throat> you know, I came across this homeless camp. We did this dinner for some homeless people. And I made some barbecue. Uh, my mom made some coleslaw. 
I made some uh, potato salad. We cut up some watermelon. It was a hot summer day. Um, it had some bottled water. And I had a truck and an SUV full of donations. At clothes, blankets, shoes, the whole, whole shebang. And we went to this homeless camp. I just drove around to some places. And um, there's this homeless camp by the, by the river. And... Anyway, there was, I came across, and, and <clears throat> I went and I knocked on this one gentleman's door, <clears throat> and his name is Tony. And if anybody's listened to this knows Tony, they know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> because Tony is the only homeless person I know of that had his own garden. He actually had a garden planted in five-gallon buckets around his camp. <clears throat> he was trying to grow his own for, uh, vegetables. And, um... But anyway, somebody had came along and beat the stuffing out of Tony and hurt him and demolished his camp and um, ruined his garden. Um, you know, and there was this other um, gentleman there that uh, was telling us stories about how he was burnt out of their campground, uh, their um, homeless camp. Because they had another camp over on the other side of the river. And somebody had set their camp on fire. And one of the ladies um, died. And um, her tent caught on fire. And um, <clears throat> this guy was telling us that somebody um, who ran the camp. He was like the camp lord, if you will. Um, had some goons, I guess you, some people would call them. Um, to beat him up and broke his leg. And um, I had started, well, I met this gentleman there. His name was Alan. And he had a size 14 shoe. And we didn't have any size 14 shoes. And <clears throat> so I, on my page, I had done a shoe drive. Because every week I had done a challenge um, trying to get people involved in the community to do different things for different people um, and also different donations and stuff. So, I had done a, a challenge on shoes. We did a shoe donation. And the police department <clears throat> had donated some brand new tennis shoes. Um, they had Air Force Ones, Nikes, um, some basketball shoes, um, some steel toe boots, the whole nine yards. Nice, brand new, expensive shoes. <clears throat> Very good gesture and amazing. Unfortunately, I can't give those to a homeless person that lives in a homeless camp. They would get killed over them shoes. Um, they would get beat up over them shoes. Um, just because that's the way some people are. But, <clears throat> I was able to find some people that benefited from those shoes. Um, there was a couple that was living in a hotel <clears throat> and she was pregnant with twins. And he was going to start a job and he needed um, some shoes. She had a pair of um, gold little spaghetti, uh, spaghetti strap sandals on. And they had a little girl, but she was pregnant with twins. I had got him a brand new pair of work boots with still toes. And got her a brand new pair of Nikes. And another person on my page um, had donated her a double stroller. And everybody kind of was helping everybody, if you will. And I got to know and meet a lot of new people. 
and it warms my heart to know that there are people <clears throat> that are like that in this world. And um, I did all of this on my own. I had no job. So I was just doing what I could, donating plasma or whatever, trying to get money to have gas. Um, <clears throat> and um, so now I sit and I take care of my mother. I, in the summertime, I carry a cooler around in my vehicle with water and ice uh, when I can. <coughs> and when I see somebody, I hand them a bottle of water if, I, if they want one. I, um, there was one guy walking down the road, he was pushing a shopping cart. It was so hot outside. <coughs> and I stopped and I turned around and I came back up to him. And I hollered at him across the street and I said, hey, do you want water? He's like, that would be amazing. It is so hot out here. And I said, here, I can give you a, a couple of them if you want. And so I walked across the street and I gave him this water. And I walked back over towards my vehicle. And he's yelling at me from across the street thanking me. It's that simple. I didn't need to know that man's story. <clears throat> it is a hot summer day. That's all I need to know. And I had water in my car. Um, but unfortunately there are scammers out there and in my learning of life, like I said, I've got to know some people. There is a gentleman, him and his wife, they do an unbelievable amount of awesomeness in the homeless community. And if you are not familiar with them, it is hearts and hands homeless. And his name is Tag. Tag and his wife, Gina, they're amazing people. And I applaud you both so much if you're listening to this forecast, uh, this forecast, this podcast. <clears throat> um, and uh, they continue to go out <clears throat> and give meals to the homeless. And they do it by donation. They have people donate and stuff. And um, they have their own life things going on. Tag is trying to save their home. Um, not trying to put Tag's business out there, but um, I also apologize, Tag, but Tag's trying to save his home. Um, and my heart breaks because people like that are so giving and, and forthcoming. And <coughs> when it comes down to their well-being, they put other people before themselves. And um, but Tag and I have learned and we've communicated. We try to watch out for each other when we find scammers. And him and I, we used to email each other a lot. Not email, but text each other a lot in instant messaging or messenger. <clears throat> and um, there was this, this guy who him and his girlfriend... Supposedly, and I'm going to say supposedly. Um, supposedly staying in this hotel in Cloverdale, in here in Indiana. And the, supposedly they had these kids, young kids, and they were living in this hotel. And they were under police protection, staying in this hotel with their children. And they had um, <clears throat> supposedly pictures of this abuse. They had been attacked um, by their um, 
their parents. And, um... Anyway, they're in protective custody, stay at this hotel. They're trying to find something for their kids to do. Uh, so they need some activities and some food. And this, that, and the other. Okay, now, Cloverdale is over two and a half, uh, two and a half hours from me. And, but I know very well where it's at. And my mother, at that time, was in the hospital. She had had a massive heart attack. And was in the hospital. <clears throat> and... I had just got home from the hospital. I was very tired. It was late, late, late at night, probably almost middle of the night. And so I come, I go on my page, and I'm looking over, and I, I see this guy. He's on another page, and he's talking about this. <clears throat> so what I used to do is I used to go on other pages, and I would see people's stories and stuff. And then if I felt compelled or whatever, I would reach out to them if there's something that I could do to help them. And anyway, I'm listening to this guy's story and I am all about the kids. And, but I'm also all about, I don't ask questions. If somebody needs help, I help them. But I am also <clears throat> a bachelor's in criminal justice with a 4.13 honors. And I'm not stupid. So that being said, I do know how to investigate stuff. <laughs> Um, so I'm doing my research and I'm looking up stuff and I'm doing this, that, and the other and making connections and, and writing stuff out, making my notes. <clears throat> and I had talked to this guy and I was going to take him some food, um, and some stuff for his little girls to do. One thing we do not do on my page is handle money. We don't handle money. We don't do cash apps. We don't do, we don't handle money. Um, there's too many scammers out there that it's all about the money, and that's not who we are. Well, anyway, this is what this dude wanted. And I'm like, you know, we don't do that. I could probably <clears throat> detour you and refer you to some pages that might be able to help you with that, but we don't handle money. But this is what I can do for you. I can bring you some food and this, that, clothes and stuff for your kids to do. What you asked for. Because nowhere in there did you ask for money. You asked for food, things for your kids to do, and some clothing. And so I have friend, a friend who lives in the Greencastle area over in that vicinity. And I'm reaching out to her. Mind you, this is late at night. <clears throat> and I'm, my mother's in the hospital, you know, so I'm taking my time out to help this shaman. So I'm t talking to my friend who happens to have the same name as me, actually. Um, but, um. I reach out to her and I'm talking to her about resources and stuff and she's going to see what she can find out and I'm making arrangements with this dude at the same time and I'm contacting the other people I know. I'm hitting my contacts because my page is a resource page and I have resources. So <clears throat> I'm utilizing what I can with what I can but respectfully at the time of the hour that it is. So <clears throat> at the same time I'm thinking if you're in police custody and witness protection. I didn't think you would be able to do this. And let people know where you're at. Um, or use your name on social media. That's not very safe. And, um, I was, like I said, I was making plans to go drive two and a half hours the next day. To take this gentleman, this stuff that I had taken care of and got ready for him. <coughs> Excuse me. But in doing so, I this is what it came down to. They were scamming. 
They were staying in a hotel around the corner from where their parents lived. They were not witness protection. Shocker. Um, their parents actually had um, got fed up with them. I'm guessing, assuming. Because they were renting a place off of them and they weren't paying their rent. So their parents evicted them and took them to court and sued them for rent. And the money that they were due. Their house was a very nice place. A very well-to-do place. Um, elderly couple. Um, obviously they would be. You know, their parents, grandparents, so on. You know, but very um, respectful looking people. <coughs> and they were what I assumed upset at their parents and scamming and trying to make something out of it and get money off the people. And so anyway, they're at this hotel around the corner from their parents' house asking for this, that, and the other. And they were not who they were saying they were. And supposedly she was pregnant and they had no way to get her to the doctors, but yet they were running around because uh, he said that they were um, they weren't at the hotel at the moment, but uh, he would get a hold of me as soon as they got back there. <clears throat> they were out somewhere. <clears throat> and, um, so then I go and I look on this other page because I'm making connections and people change their name and they do all this little swapping stuff or whatever, but she was on a different page <clears throat> uh, under a different name. Starting a GoFundMe account and said that her dad was uh, terminally dying of cancer and needed some money for his treatment. This is the same dad who supposedly beat them and their children up and their witness protection from around the corner from. So that being said, I do know there's scammers out there. And that's a prime example. That's a very elaborate example, but that's a prime example. <clears throat> but there are things that people can do as a whole. But there are things the government can do. And there are shelters everywhere, <clears throat> but yet they're not. Because <clears throat> just like my situation, if I was to go to a shelter, because my dude and I were not married, we would have got separated. And you hear these um, shelters that have women and children in one and men in the other. What if the man has custody of his girl or his, his daughters or his sons or his children? Is there a shelter for men and children? No, not that I know of. Um... <clears throat> But they have a lot of, and I understand there's reasons for rules, but when you split families up, they've already lost everything. So to take away what they have left, their other half of survival, they're going to choose not to go to that shelter. And it's not because that's they want to be homeless. It's because they're trying to keep their family together because at the end of it all a house is a structure 
materialistic things are materialistic things. <clears throat> a human being is not so replaceable. So you can be homeless and have a home. <clears throat> because you can lose yourself. You can lose your, your significant other. And you don't need a structure to define that. But you do need a foundation to start over. <clears throat> because with every house that's a structure can be turned into a home. But a home has to have a foundation and a roof. <clears throat> the foundation is what starts the grounding and the roots to grow. And the roof is to keep it from the elements of the outside. And protect it. It's what's inside that makes the home. That doesn't need to be a building. Sometimes that's a person's mind and well-being. You know, when you take a homeless person that is authentically homeless, living on the streets, carrying what they can, in a backpack, maybe. Because you want to carry your light. <coughs> um, it does something to you. And when you take that person. And you put them in a structured home. Foundation with a roof. To start over. It's not a matter of throwing furniture in there. It's not a matter of saying, here, here, I just went to the grocery store for you. Here, here is um, some food and some clothes. And hey, I just stopped and got you a meal at McDonald's. I know it's not the healthiest. Um, a lot of homeless people have bad hygiene and bad teeth. Just so you know. And a lot of times when you have bad teeth, um, it's toxic and deadly. <clears throat> and it hurts. Infections. But you can bring all the materialistic necessities. But if that homeless person's mind, excuse me, is not, is not safe for them, they're not ever going to feel at home. And you can't just take a homeless person off the street. And say, here you go. <clears throat> Ta-da. Because they might be self-medicating. They might be in bad physical health. They might be handicapped. They might be in their own world because they don't have nobody else. They might be living in a vehicle. <clears throat> Maybe it's a nice one. But maybe that's the only thing they have. Maybe they wear the same clothes all the time. Because they don't have nothing else. Maybe they swim in White River. Which is the river where we were at. 
um, that that camp was at. <clears throat> and um, I thought the guy was taking a, a bath because he was in the in the White River. <clears throat> he was going to the bathroom. Because I went to go take him some toilet paper and some bug spray. Because <laughs> living on the river, you know, bugs and stuff. <clears throat> and I was taking toilet paper around to everybody. And feminine hygiene items to the females. Because that still happens even when you're homeless people. Um, <clears throat> and they prefer tampons, by the way. Because some of them don't have underwear. Um, but... Um, I went to the same this toilet paper and I thought he was taking a um, taking a bath or whatever in his clothes and he said I'm sorry he said I had to go to the bathroom real bad um, <clears throat> when you take somebody out of that kind of life I could have passed judgment on that dude if I wanted to and it'd been easy to do but that doesn't mean it's justifiable to do because there's a reason why that man is doing what he was doing whether it was gross to me, whether I understood it, or whether I just found it as plain as wrong. <clears throat> to him, that was his way of life. That was his survival. And that's inhumane for anybody to ever have to be at that level in life. That doesn't make him less of a human being. Instead, that should make him more of an important person In the eyes of people that judge him. Because I'm telling you. <clears throat> from experience. We're all one tragedy. In our mental minds. <clears throat> one moment. One person. One obstacle. One thing. One scenario. One something. Away from being homeless. Don't think you're immune. Because you're not. You can have your life all mapped out. I did. All your ducks in a row per se if you want to. I did. Have your head on straight. Be educated. Have decent vehicles. I did. Guess what happened? I was one of them statistics. It was that. That one thing. That one moment. That caused the domino effect of my life. And in. And <clears throat> I. Have come a long way. <clears throat> and I've come a long way with certain members of my family that now understand a little bit more differently than what they did before. <clears throat> However, some of them are just my relatives. And I've had this conversation uh, with myself uh, several times. Because <clears throat> I'm a very big family-oriented person. Growing up in my life, my mother struggled. We lived with people. I would have a powder on the floor. 
That's the name you don't hear very much. Very much unless you're old school, probably. But you could pat it on the floor. <coughs> I had a pallet on the floor. At least stayed with some uh, relatives that um, were distant relatives to my uh, my stepdad. Constantly moving, constantly on the go, um, going without food and water, heat. Uh, I remember being piled up in the bedroom, or not the bedroom, sorry, living room at this one house. We called it the White House, but it was just a White House. <laughs> it wasn't the White House. Um, <clears throat> it was just a White House, and we called it the White House. But um, <clears throat> it had a fireplace, and we all piled up in the living room on this hide bed and um we had the wood burning stove which i found out later i was allergic to the wood the the bark on the wood that burns i'm allergic to very badly <clears throat> and um we would take five gallon buckets and drag it or carry them down the road to a friend's house at my mom's and uh, in the snow back when winter was really winter and it wasn't dictated by the government <clears throat> and mankind um, and we would drag the five-gallon buckets back in the snow to uh, heat the water up on the stove to do dishes and wash our hair and wash off. We would stand in line at the toaster making mayonnaise and lettuce sandwiches sometimes. And um, we were Kool-Aid kids. And to this day, I don't care for flavored drinks. There's only certain drinks that I drink. Um, <coughs> my oldest sister didn't realize that I was making the last pack of lemonade. And she thought it was dirty water and she dumped it. And I about had a heart attack. Because <laughs> that is all we had to drink. And um, <coughs> we didn't have milk in the refrigerator. My mom didn't care for milk. It wasn't uh, something we had on hand. Necessities weren't stuff that we had on hand. And we survived. And that was just parts of my life growing up. And I vowed to myself that I was going to be stable. I wasn't going to move around everywhere. My kids were going to try to stay in the same school and have stability. And, um, one tragic moment happened. And that's all it took. And even though I had life mapped out and plans and was well educated, <clears throat> I was a statistic. That when I would go talk to people <clears throat> or when I went to um, outpatient counseling for a while they couldn't believe I was homeless you know what they said you don't look homeless <clears throat> right because my hair is combed and I got makeup on and I pulled up in my van let me open my door up let me show you where I live let me show you my life. Nobody looks homeless. People feel homeless. There's a difference. 
People aren't survivors. They're warriors. <laughs> that have had to survive a war because of one moment. One moment changed it all for them. And <clears throat> I'm going to very hardly <laughs> refrain myself from getting veered off in this next sentence because it does hugely trigger me. Then I know I'm going to run out of time. And I will make a podcast out of this one. I guarantee it. Because I am wholeheartedly, loudly passionate about it. <clears throat> there is not, and I'm going to say this point blank, and I pray that I leave it here for a moment. But, um,. I'm very passionate about the homeless. I'm very passionate about mankind. I am very passionate about human beings and being um, their right, their God-given right to necessities of life. Necessities. <clears throat> there are wants and there are needs and, and <clears throat> what might be a necessity of your life doesn't mean it's a necessity of somebody else's. But you would not have your necessity of life. And if anybody knows me, they're probably thinking, here it goes. Here she goes. Because I've done no D. I've done no what she's going to go with on this. You would not have anything in your life right now. If it was not for a veteran and a military person. And how dare we? <sighs> There's no reason for them, above all else in this world, be homeless. Or want for one single thing in this world. I don't care what it is. Period. Explanation point underline quotations plain and simple and I'm going to stop myself there because I will get going on that subject but my future plans <clears throat> you know somebody somebody asked me one time you know hey what do you want to do with all this you know Where do you want to go with your life? You know, you, you have a chance to start over. <clears throat> you have these degrees behind you. You have this education. You have this hard knocks of life. And, um, you have the ability to start over. So where do you want to take yourself? <clears throat> well, I am an artistic person. Always have been. Um, my children are as well. Very artistic and gifted. My two daughters are amazing artists. Um, my youngest daughter is bodacious. Um, artistic. Drawer. Um, <coughs> I draw, but I'm also create. I do a lot of different crafts. Um, 
some are a little different but um i'm very detail oriented I'm, I'm very ocd and if people don't know what ocd is it's more than just cleaning um and being obsessed with cleaning it is a structure of life uh when i have my lab in my office um i literally would not leave my office without standing at my door and looking at my office to make sure everything was in place all the way down to my stapler and i would have to go back and straighten it it was that deep um <clears throat> when we go to a restaurant i scrape and if some don't know what that means i used to work at a group home we take our kiddos to um, school and um, to lunch, and they had to scrape the plates, and we stacked them all at the end of the table. When I take my kids growing up their whole life, <clears throat> we ate, we scraped. Respectfully, we scraped. Our plates, our, our bowls, our food, our cups, everything was scraped and properly put in order and piled nicely at the end of the table. And my daughter and I, not too long ago, went to this restaurant that we went to quite often at one point. The waitress remembered us because of that. She knew exactly who we were. And, um, but there's more to OCD-ness. Anyway, I, I create things with my mind and I, I, very creative, but yet my mind is my biggest asset and my biggest ally. Um, <clears throat> and I try to put my creativity in things and bring it to life, per se. And some might be thinking, okay, well, I mean, that's cool. But I have learned to put my feelings somewhere and I try to create things and I'm, I, I'm trying to start a little crafting design business actually to do some of my design work and crafting and um, <clears throat> but I also am a writer I write poetry my mom is a songwriter so I guess it's actually something in there but I write poetry um, and um, I thought about putting it all into a book maybe and trying to find a way to publish it um, maybe um, I would start up this podcast eventually when I figure out how and have the means to do it <clears throat> I would like to actually eventually do live streaming or actually have a actual talk show um, and have guests on there and actually have something concrete like that but also to my group page um, our house is very very important to me <clears throat> and I am trying to figure out the best way to take my plans um, and put them into actuality and figure out how to become a nonprofit um, or just be able to not necessarily be all it's not, I'm not in it for the money I'm in it there to make a difference and to help people and um, when I figure out how to do all that I would like to be able to get it to where I can take the homeless and those that are on hard times. Um, even prisoners coming out of prison have to start over. And giving them a place to stay. 
and in the meantime teach them how to <clears throat> some people need to learn how to read some need to be rehabilitated some people need to be counseled and have medical attention some people need to learn how to do job interviews and write resumes but they also need clothing <clears throat> so maybe have like a room full of um professional wear for them to come in and pick an outfit to wear to their job interview um teach them how to do a job interview firm handshake first and foremost is very important um <clears throat> just so y'all want to know um and help them to build their life back up but also help them to learn how to be independently independent again and i mean that because they're going to come out of a world that they have learned how to survive in just like when a prisoner gets out of prison they've got to adjust back to life again they're used to looking over their backs they're used to um trying to scarf their food down so that it doesn't get taken they have to constantly you know sleep with one eye open per se or worrying about getting shanked or or getting raped or or being approached on the side unexpectedly, you know, and society in general of how it's evolved and different things and getting used to actually not being, uh, has asked when they can go to the bathroom, asked when they have to take a shower, asked when they can, you know, somebody um, controlling their every move they take, escorting them to the next room or, you know, whatever it is, <clears throat> dictating their whole livelihood. <clears throat> And then they have to come into a world to where they're just set free and say, here you go. And then they got to figure out how to adjust back to that. That life. Not the life that they had to adjust to and come, they just came out of. And that's a homeless person too. But because they're in prison, then they're not important because what? They served their time and their time is over. So case should be closed. But then they're going to be condemned and prosecuted the rest of their life for it and all of these elements of resources if you will are going to be limited to them because society is going to keep making them pay for dues that they don't even know they even did but taking that person and putting them in a home putting them in a and a structure, giving them furniture and food and clothes and a job and stability. Doesn't mean their mind is always going to be stable. <clears throat> because that person knows better than anybody that it only takes one moment for it all to be gone again. And that one moment could be something they save you from. You. They might just be that very one person that intervenes for you and saves your life. Because in the end, it does matter. And I'm going to say that because I'm teaching myself this information. I'm learning this myself. Because I know that it took one moment to take my life 
without directly killing me, buried me. And I know firsthand that one moment took my mother's life away without killing her. And I desperately tried to save his life. And he took his last breath with me, giving him CPR. Life is too short, people. And even though I'm five foot half inch, I guarantee you, it's shorter than that. And that's a little dry humor, but I'm trying to, I'm trying not to cry anymore than what I already have been. Because I sat and I watched my mom be at a level that she doesn't understand and didn't need to try to have to figure out because one moment happened in her life. Her and him were up making meatballs at 10.30 in the morning. And by 10 till 12, he was dead. One moment. So before you pass judgment on a homeless person, know your definition on what's homeless. Because it's not about a structure. It's about a person. I used to tell this guy that I was with, one that was homeless with me. I was home in his arms. I could live in a cardboard box. And as long as I had him with me. At a different level. I was home. Because in that moment. Even though the whole world was coming at me. And stole my life from me and who I was. In that brief moment that that man held me, the rest of the world went away. And in that one moment, I could take a breath without it suffocating me and, and I could breathe. And it had nothing to do with not loving my kids or my grandkids or my parents or my my sisters or my relatives. I'm sorry, my sister or my relatives. <clears throat> it had to do with a different level. Because that man and I had been through more stuff in the time that we had been together. In the five years we were together. At a totally different level than I ever was with anybody else in my life that I'd ever been with. Any other relationship. And he used to tell me, you know, he would look at me and say, you know, am I crazy? 
and he would look at me with a serious look in his face. Because, you know, he had a very rough upbringing. He was staying in, in um, storage units and stuff at some times in his life. And, um, and, and so I'm not going to put his stuff out there, but he'd been through some stuff. <clears throat> and he was battling some mental problems. And I wasn't going to abandon him in his, in his time of need, of his darkest hours. Even though I was going through what I was going through, I still was trying to be there for him. And he looked at me and he said, am I crazy? And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, yes, you are. You're crazy about me. And if you're talking about your mental instability, you're no crazier than me, dude. What defines crazy? I like to know what some normal people do in this world. But if you are going through something, I pray for you. Please pull your resources. Um, sometimes it's easier said than done. But I promise you, as long as you breathe and take a breath in, It can be doable. They always say grass is greener on the other side. But you know what? Even that grass needs to be mowed and maintained. You're going to go through anything in your life. And you're going to have obstacles in every relationship and everything you, you have to deal with. There's always going to be something somewhere. It's who you decide to go through that something something with that makes the difference in the end. Because at the end of it all, when you come down to the scenario when you're bedridden or you've got health problems or you're codependent on somebody for whatever reason, sometimes it does need to be asked, do I see this person as somebody who will be there for me to literally change my adult diaper if I need them to? And if you can't say yeah, That's only on that's that's only your decision. But I won't judge you for it in any direction you go. But if you want the government to pay for you anything to take care of somebody, uh, I guarantee you you better find a supplemental income because I take care of my mom and the government pays me a dollar sixty one an hour. And I got a raise in June. It used to be a dollar twenty five. So it's not about the money. <clears throat> it's my mom. It's about my mom. And a promise I made to a man that was her life. And she was his. And some people think, well, you know, they're supposed to love me forever. <clears throat> they promised me forever. They did. They're forever. But unfortunately, there forever it doesn't last as long as yours sometimes. Not physically, anyway. It is that. It is that moment. That is not so simple. But if you need help, please do reach out to somebody. 
And if you're a relative or a family member or friend, you're one moment away from it too. Don't think you're any better than anybody else. Because you're not. I love everybody. But that don't mean I have to like everybody. But I will show you respect. But if you don't show me respect, you're not my problem. That's in God's hands. And I'll pray for you. And I'm not being a smarty bug. I'm being honest. And I'd be lying if I said otherwise. And I don't make it a habit to be a liar. Habits are a dime a dozen. <clears throat> you're going to have a habit in life. You're going to have an addiction in life. Be addicted to life. <clears throat> Live. Don't let living suck the life out of you though. I think everybody's been taking their time out to share their time with me and listening to me. And um, feel free to um, reach out to me. I'm always here, um, obviously around my mom's schedule with respect. But um, there are people that matter. Uh, you, you matter. In case nobody told you today. Pick your head up. Take a deep breath. And don't let living suck the life out of you. There's miracles happening every moment. And you happen to be one of them. This is Dee. And you've been listening to my podcast. And, um, not all homeless are homeless. Thank you and have a blessed day.